Romans chapter 7, verse 14 to 25. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. Amen. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature a slave to the law of sin. Amen. Amen. We are in the middle of our Roman series, our winter series. And uh, the book of Romans, which is a letter written by the Apostle Paul uh, to a group of Christians in Rome, a mixed group of Christians in Rome, Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians. Uh, Rome, the importance of Rome is that it is the, the, the capital city of culture and of power in that time. And the main aim of this letter that Paul writes to the Christians in Rome is to explain what our faith is about to explain what Christianity is about in a systematic way and to help Christians understand this question. How is it that sinful, broken man can be right with God? Why is this relevant to us today? Well, because this is the greatest question that all of humanity must ask itself. Where do we stand with God? And it's not a question of where do, did you stand with God five years ago. It's a question of where do you stand in your relationship with God today? When God created man, he created us for the purpose of being in relationship with the creator. But man declared independence from God, broke away from the perfect relationship that we had. And this is where sin entered. The rebellious heart that continued, uh, it continued to be passed down through the generations of man. And sin would continue to be the greatest barrier that stood between man and God. 
See, in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, the law was given to help man manage this relationship with God. God gave us the law to manage it. However, the law was a temporary fix because no man could fully obey the law all of their days. But as Paul has been explaining in Romans, while we were still sinners, God demonstrates his love for us by sending his one and only son, Jesus, to die on the cross, to pay the penalty for all of mankind's sins through this death. And whoever puts their faith in Jesus, whoever believes that Jesus died for them on the cross, God declares righteous. God declares that we are right with God. Not because of anything that we did, but because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. This is what we call the gospel of Jesus Christ. The good news of Jesus Christ. This is what Paul has been explaining in the first six chapters of Romans. And and it's so relevant and important to us because it's not that Jesus died for man. It's Jesus died for you. And he did it because he loves us. So, the question that we want to answer today is this. And the one that Paul is asking us is this. If we have been made right with God, Okay, Jesus died on the cross for our sin. And if we believe that, we, we believe that from the bottom of our hearts, we put our faith and trust in that, and, and, and that we have been made right with God, here's the question. Why do we still sin? Why do we still struggle with sin in our lives if Jesus has died for us? This is the question that Paul is going to answer in Romans 7. And it's a question that probably many of us have had in the past. Maybe some of you have had, uh, are having even now. If Jesus saved me, why do I keep doing things that I know that God would not like? If Jesus has died on the cross and he said, it is finished, why do I still struggle with sin and addiction and brokenness? And sometimes, and and this is the misconception, sometimes when we start to think about this, and, and I've gone through this, sometimes we question our faith. And this is the line of questioning that we have. Jesus died for me. And if I put my faith in Jesus, then I'm saved. I'm made right with God. I'm declared righteous but I'm not righteous. I'm doing all these bad things still. I'm still, uh, you know, sinning. I'm still lying. I'm still cheating. I'm still, I'm doing all of these things that, that, that go against what God wants. And then we think, maybe, maybe I don't have the faith. Maybe I'm actually not righteous. Maybe God hasn't changed me. Do I believe that Jesus saved me? Maybe I'm not saved. Sometimes people have gone to the point where they're like, maybe I'm not even a Christian. 
Or the, the funnier one is, maybe I'm just a bad Christian. I'm a Christian, but I'm just a really bad one. And that's why I keep struggling with sin. Sometimes we like to compare. And we're, we're, very, good at, we're very good at comparing, aren't we? We, we, can take, we can make a comparison at anything. And sometimes we, we, we come to church and, and we come in knowing who we are. We go, man, I, I sinned this week. You know, I'm still addicted to this. I'm still going against the will of God. And then we come to church and we, we see like all these holy people. Oh, man, they must be fully righteous. I'm like partial righteous. I'm like halfway. They're like all the way. But Paul's going to address this in seven. And, and I want to address this really systematically because I think that's the way that Paul does it. And I want to go verse by verse. Because I think if you read it as a chunk, it can get a little bit confusing because he's going to say the same thing over and over in about four verses. Okay? So I'm just going to break it down verse by verse. We're going to start in 14. We know the law. We know that the law is spiritual and I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. First things first, Paul introduces a division with spiritual being on one side and being unspiritual on the other. And what he does is he declares himself unspiritual. As Paul goes on, he's going to talk about what it means to be unspiritual and he's going to use words like worldly, or life in the flesh, according to the flesh. And this is a description of who we are. Okay? This is who we are. This is who we are as sinners. We are sinful, unspiritual humans that love living for the worldly things. We love, we love uh, attending to the desires of our flesh. That's who we are. Uh, anyone that's been on a diet would know this. I love. You know, you know when some people, you know, body says, I'm hungry. And some people go, wow, let's go get a roast chicken, you know, chicken breast salad with quinoa and kale. And, you know, some people think like that. My flesh does not think like that. My flesh believes that kale is a sad word chooses not to use the word kale in my vocabulary. When my body tells me, when my flesh tells me I'm hungry, my first question is, is it McDonald's, KFC, or Pizza Hut? You know what? Choose one of them, Steve. You know, it might not be in food. It, it, it might be in other uh, desires. The desire to be famous. The desire to be significant. The desire to not be lonely. But you know what? We, as human sinful people, that's what it is. We do what we want to do. But this is the problem with God because most of the time, it's not what God wants. That's the division. This, this, is, what, this is what Paul's explaining. He's just setting it out, right? This is who we are. Okay? Verse 15. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do, but I hate, but what I hate, I do. The best imagery for this is dieting. 
I felt like Paul was speaking to me. I do not understand why. When I'm hungry, I can't desire a, a healthy shake. You know? I do not understand. For what I want to do is I want to eat a salad, but I do not do. But what I hate, I hate. And you know what, like, it's, it's a strong word, right? Hate. And you know, like last year, like when I was dieting, you know, and you guys would know if you've been here for a while, you know, I, I lost like a lot of weight last year, you know. I, what I hate, I hated fast food. Not really. I kind of still had a, a soft spot for it. But, you know, there was this, I was like, if I eat this fast food, then it's going to, you know, it's going to be bad for me. But it was like, ah, oh, I hate it. And, ah, uh, but I do it anyway. Paul is starting to, starting to draw this picture, right? See, Paul has been saved by the blood of Jesus. But what does he want to do? You know what he wants to do? His desire is that he wants to live a life of the Spirit. He wants to live a life away from his old self and into his new self. That's what he wants. But his reality, his reality is for what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. Paul's laying out a reality. Verse 17. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. Okay, Paul's now going to start to expand on this idea of what I want, but what I do. Paul says that it's not up to me. It's not because of me. It's no longer I myself who do it, but what? It is the sin living inside of me. And he's going to now create a division between what he desires, who he is, as a person, and who he is as a sinner. And he's going to expand this in 18. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me. That is in my sinful nature. For I have desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. Now, what Paul describes here is a word that some of us don't like. But it's a word that you need to become very comfortable with. And I actually think it's a very good word. It's the word tension. That's exactly what it is. Tension. Paul is describing a tension, and this is what we need to see. He has been saved by the blood of Jesus, and he has been set free from the bondage of sin. Paul is free of sin in God's eyes. Jesus has defeated sin and death, but this does not mean that sin does not still exist. Just because you are successful in your diet and losing weight, just because you are successful in turning your eyes away from the golden arches, does not mean that McDonald's does not still exist. It still exists. Actually, when you first start dieting, I, I promise you, like if you ever go through this, it's amazing, right? When you start wanting to not eat McDonald's, all you see is McDonald's. You ever notice that? You know, don't, don't think about the, the, the pink elephant in the room. Don't think about pink elephants. And everyone's like, don't think about pink elephants. Don't think about pink elephants. What are you thinking about pink elephants? You know, psychologically, there's, there's a whole theory of why that is. 
The tension is that we are safe from our sin and we are free from our sin. We are. We're free from our sin. Sin does not hold us. Sin does not control us because of what Jesus has done. Doesn't mean but it doesn't exist. And it doesn't mean that it doesn't linger. Paul knows that his humanity has no goodness inside of him. There is no good inside of humanity. The best thing that we have done is sinned. All we have inside is our sinful nature. But but the, the thing is, Paul's humanity has changed through what Jesus has done. He is a new creation. For I have the desire to do what is good. This is coming out of a new, new Paul. But I cannot carry it out. Verse 19, for I do not do the good I want to do. But the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Can we be real for one moment? That verse, I think, should summarize most of our lives. How many times in our faith have we been like, man, I'll I'll get up at 5 a.m. to spend time with the Lord. 5 a.m. snooze. 5.15 snooze, 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 snooze. Oh, man, I'm going to love my parents. I'm going to serve them. I'm going to be a good son. I'm going to be a good daughter. Lasts about 10 seconds. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. That's what I keep doing. Now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is the sin living in me that does it. It's tension. It's the tension that causes you the struggle. What I want to do and what I actually end up doing is different. And here's why. Because we're not fully there. There's a theological concept that I learned, and I think it's probably one of the most important concepts that I learned in, in, in uh, Bible college. Honestly, to tell you the truth, it's probably only the few that I actually remember. It's um, now, but not yet. It's the now, but not yet tension. And it's this idea that Jesus saved us. We are saved. We are justified. We are made righteous. We are right with God. And at that moment when Jesus died and said, it is finished, you are saved. You are declared righteous. But the fulfillment of that pure righteousness that changes us to become like Jesus has not fully finished yet. Now, but not yet. The not yet, when's the not yet? When's the not yet going to finish then? Well, when we meet Jesus face to face. When we meet him face to face. We are declared justified. I like this, right? We are declared justified. God declares you justified. But he didn't make you justified. Okay, you need to see the difference in this. When Jesus died on the cross, it didn't make you sinless. It didn't change you to go, oh, you've got no sin. 
No, no, no. What it did was the blood of Jesus covered you so that when God sees you, he sees the blood of Jesus, which is sinless. Doesn't mean you're sinless, right? It's not that we were made justified. It's not like we became good people and then suddenly we, we can stand before God and say, okay, God, I'm so much better now that I can be declared righteous before you. No, 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 no. You're, the, you're, the, you're still the same sinner. The difference is God declares you righteous because he sees the blood of Jesus over you. We are declared justified only because of what Jesus has done for us, not because of what we have done, not because of who we have become. Verse 21, so I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law in my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. This is Paul's summarization of the situation. Our new self has been declared justified. When we put our faith in Jesus, we want to be more like Jesus. We do. We want to think of spiritual things. We want to become more godly, but the evil... And the sin continues to exist in this world and continues to exist in our lives. It's not that we want to sin. But it's the sinful nature that continues to rear its head inside of us. And that's why we continue to sin. Verse 24. I love it. Paul's trying to explain this, right? And then he just gets so worked up. Verse 24. What a wretched man I am. He goes from some theological statement to a personal outcry and goes, I'm an idiot. That's the uh, uh, New Living Steve's translation of the Bible. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? And this is just Paul's cry of frustration. He's like, man, I, I want to be good. I want to live this spiritual life. I want to stop sinning. Woe to me. Who can help me? Verse 25, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. Paul answers this question of why do we still struggle with sin? Even though we believe that Jesus died for us, it's because we live in a now but not yet tension. In a now but not yet tension tension. Now, when we put our faith in Jesus, we are declared justified. We are. And I know that sometimes you don't feel like that. And hey, I would say, and I don't know all of you, you know, to sort of the core of your, your soul, but I know most of you. I would say that in terms of the, the sin category, like how good you are at sinning, I'm pretty good. And I'm pretty sure that I'm, I'm better than most of you. It's not something that I should be proud about, but, you know, I know me. And, uh, yeah. It's not because of how good I am. It's never been about how good I am or how good I can become. 
God did not justify me because of my goodness. I became justified because of what Jesus did on the cross for me. I am made righteous. I am declared righteous. Even though I still struggle with sin. And that's what Paul's saying. You will ne- you, there will be a day, and this is the hope that we live with. There will be a day where you will, the struggle with your sin, it will be gone. There will be a day where every addiction that you have, it will be gone. Every pain or sorrow, it will be gone. And that is the day of full reconciliation. That's the day where we meet God face to face. Whether it be us going to meet God after this life or when God comes back. And then the tension of now but not yet will completely disappear because it will just be now. But until then, friends, don't be surprised that you still struggle with sin. Sometimes I get surprised. I meet people. People come to church and they tell me their life story. I go, wow, it's pretty sinful. <laughs> well, you, you, you know, you, you meet, you're talking to someone and, 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 and you know, they're sharing their life to you. And you go, wow, didn't know you were capable of that kind of sin. Sometimes we shock ourselves at how sinful and how bad we are. Why, but? I think that's what Paul's trying to say here. Until the day we die, we will struggle in this tension of sin. No one will ever go, yep, I've done it. Completely eradicated sin out of my life. I'm good, guys. Tell you what, if you ever get there, okay, you're you're playing God, and uh, that's a sin. So you're kind of back to square one. You and I, we will struggle with sin till the day we die, until the day Jesus comes back. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised with that. Don't get shocked. Why? Because we live in a world of sin. Sin still rules this life. This worldly, earthly life that we... Sin is prevalent. Sometimes, you know, as Christians, we, we, because we go to church, like sometimes we live in this Christian bubble where everyone is loving and everyone is sharing and everyone is caring. And, but the world is not like that, friends. You step out these doors, we don't live in a world where God's values are upheld in society. No, we live in a world where no one cares about God. We live in a world where God is irrelevant. Don't kid yourself. We live in a very dark world of sin. And that's why sin still exists. And it seeps in. That's why we still struggle with it. Because it exists. Yes, Jesus has overcome it. Doesn't mean it's disappeared. So what do we do knowing this? What do we do with what we know about even Christian sin? Struggling with sin. What do we do? I believe there are three groups of people that we need to apply this. And there are three different groups of people that that you're going to be a part of. And I'm going to give you 
different application. The first is this, the non-believer. If you're not a believer, if you're not a Christian, if, if Jesus is not your Lord and Savior, then all this struggle with sin stuff that I'm talking about, you have no idea what you're talking about. You have no idea what I'm talking about because that's called just your life. You know, for, for, for the non-believer, sin does not technically exist. It's just the norm. The struggle, the tension, there is no tension and struggle because you're living your life by your own rules. So who cares about God? But if you're in this category, if you're, if you're, if you're not a believer, I want to ask you, when you face God, which you will have to do, when you face God and you need to account for your life, actions and thoughts, when you, when, you, when you are sitting before your creator, what will you say? How will you explain your life? I don't know for... For non-believers, this whole idea of sitting down with the God or Creator is a very foreign. But I go back, I go back to this one idea. If you think that this is never going to happen, for me the argument is simple: if there's no afterlife, if this life is that's it, like birth till death. And if there's no need for accountability in the way that we live our lives, in the way that you live your life, whether you live a good life or a bad life or whatever category you want to call that, if there's no accountability for it, is there really a purpose? You know, and look, I'm not going to assume that everyone in this, in this church, in this place is a believer, and that's fine. If you're not a believer, you're here, welcome. We would love you. We thank you for being here with us. But I really want to put it out there. If there's nothing after this life, if your death in that's it, what's the point? What's the point of life? And if, 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 you, if you're telling me that you just exist for the sake of existing and there's really no point, there's no purpose in it, well, then, then my question is, why go and live this life at all then? Why go through the crap that we have to go through in this life? Like, it's not like this life's fantastic. Okay, I know that, you know, like, of course, my marriage is great. Marriage is great. All the husbands said amen. Okay? Heard about three of you. At least, you know, the others are honest. Okay? You know, having kids is great. All the parents said amen. Yeah, okay. 4 a.m., will you say a.m., right? Like, 5 a.m., will you say a.m.? You know, amen, a.m., getting confused can I tell you if I was to choose what I wanted to do this life wouldn't be what I choose get messages from friends talking about hey can you pray for my dad he's just gone into surgery because they found cancer I don't want to choose that choose the brokenness of broken families you know, the statistics of how many families now come, you know, how many kids are growing up with single parents. Choose that? This life isn't a great life. Working. Who enjoys working? Working sucks. 
I can't watch the World Cup final tomorrow morning from 1 to 3 a.m. because I have to go to work at 6 a.m. tomorrow morning. And I'm being a responsible adult. Is this what I would choose? No, I would choose not. I would choose to watch the World Cup and sleep for four days. This life is not as flash as you think. And for the non-believer, I want to ask you, really, do you think that this is the best that it's ever going to get? It's kind of sad, right? Friends, there is a creator. You didn't just pop up one morning. God created you. And because God created you, you will need to account for your life. You will need to account. And depending on whether you are right with God, or continue to live out the broken relationship with God, the consequences of this will ring through eternity. The greatest question for every human is not what career, future, or spouse that they will choose, but whether they will sit with God or without Him. Because the consequence of this question has eternal ramifications. So that's for the non-believer. Secondly, I believe that uh, there's a category called the believer who does not struggle with sin. The believer that does not struggle with this tension. You're a believer. You're a Christian. You're here. You love Jesus. And I've been talking about, Paul's been talking about, I've been talking about how, you know, this struggle with sin, this tension with sin. And you're sitting there going, you know what? I don't really struggle with sin. I don't really feel the tension. You know? Um, as I was putting these categories together, uh, this was a hard one, but I think this is a very real one. And I think this is the black and white of it. If you're in this category, then you have most likely just accepted that sin is okay. And you have made sin normal, and you kind of just accept it. It is what it is. But friends, the reality is this. It's not. Sin is still damaging. From the first day till now. Now what Jesus has done with sin has taken off the edge completely. But it doesn't mean that sin does not still damage the relationship. When Jesus defeated sin and he rose again, he defeated death as well. But it doesn't mean that sin doesn't still affect your relationship with him. It's like saying I'm married now so I can still do whatever I want. Any husband that tried that one, see ya. <laughs> you know, I'm legally married now. I'm just going to do whatever I feel like. Eh, that's not going to work out too well for you. Because I'm married, I can't just do what I used to do. It affects, like legally, I can. Legally, I can go do whatever I want. But what I choose to do in this relationship is going to affect our relationship. Same with sin, same with God. If you believe that Jesus Christ died for you on the cross and you put your faith and trust in him, he has saved you. You are declared justified. Full stop. There is no and then or but. That's it. But 
Oh, there is a but. <laughs> there is a but. After the sentence. But your sin affects the relationship. It affects your relationship with God. Don't be ignorant to this group of people. If, if you're sitting there and I don't really struggle with sin or I don't really feel the tension, don't be ignorant. Don't just accept it and think that, oh, God will forgive me. God will forgive me. Well, yeah, he will forgive you, but you're being a really, 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 really rotten person. And that rottenness might not take you all the way to hell, but it really, you are missing out on what can be a wonderful relationship with God. You miss out on stuff. And for, 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 for these people, I, I want to tell you, you can change. And some people just accept it. I can't change. This is the way I am. Have you ever heard that, someone? Oh, I love when people say that. I don't like change. Who's heard that before? I have. I'm not going to point them out, but I have. You can change. Every one of us can change. You can fight against sin. Don't just accept it. Finally, it's the believer who struggles with sin. And I, I think this will be the majority of our believers, uh, of, uh, of us tonight, including myself. First and foremost, I want you to understand what Paul's saying is, you know what, this is a real situation and it's okay. It's okay to struggle with sin. Struggling with sin does not make you less desirable in the eyes of God. Struggling in addiction does not take you further away from God. It's the reality of who we are as believers that live in a now but not yet tension. Oh man, you know how many times I've prayed, God, I wish that this sin just did not exist. God, why do I keep struggling with it? God, you can just take it away. Why? Why don't you? But I think there's a place for that too. And I think God uses that to draw us closer to Him. So what do we do, bud? What do we do? How do we deal with the continual struggle? Paul's conclusion to this is found in verse 25. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. Continue to bring your sins and these struggles into the light. Continue to bring them to God. Do not be afraid. God is not standing. A lot of people get this, right? I need a stick. Oh, Here's one I prepared earlier. You know, because we grew up, most of us grew up in Asian culture, shame culture, guilt culture, right? We all know what this is, right? Okay, this is not a drumstick, man. This does not produce musical uh, sound that people enjoy. If this is at home, that, I don't know if you heard it, but that's the sound, right? Sometimes we think that God's like this. That's how jacked up we are. We think that God's waiting for our next mistake. Oh, I saw you sinning. Oh, you did it again. Oh, you're going to keep doing it. One more time, I'm going to send you to hell. I'm serious. And I think, I think a lot of us think of it like this too. That's why every time we sin, what do we do? We become guilty. And then we feel ashamed. And then what we should do is that we should take it to God and say, God, man, I stuffed up. I stuffed up again. 
I did it again, God. I'm so sorry. But you know what we do? We go the other way. We run. Adam and Eve, when they sinned, what did they do? They didn't go to God and go, God, sorry, she made me do it. You know, like, you know, and then she's like, the snake made me do it. You know, no, they ran and they hid from God. Why? Because they were ashamed. But it's not like that. And I want to tell you this. God is not waiting there to punish us whenever we sin. God is waiting there to embrace us as we struggle with these sins. And he's like, you did it again, son. It's okay. Maybe next time you can fight it just that little bit more. You did it again, my daughter. It's okay. My love for you has not changed. I heard this years ago. Sometimes we think that one sin disqualifies us from God's love. And why this is so wrong is because of the alternative. Because that would mean that when you did something good, that popped you into heaven. Sometimes we think that when we do something bad, it disqualifies us from God. But if you're thinking in that paradigm, then when you do something good, then that means God accepts you. Is that the case? No, it's not. While we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. Friends, we all struggle. I struggle. You struggle. But it's not about how much do you struggle with the sin. It's about how much do you believe that in that struggle that God is good and that God loves you and He continues to forgive you. It's not about feeling guilty and ashamed, no. It's about being naked before God and saying, God, you know what, I, I, I did it again and I'll try harder next time. And it's continuing to run the race. Friends, I pray, I really do. I pray that tonight you'd be encouraged by the words of God. Saying, I understand the struggle. But it's okay. It doesn't change my love for you. It doesn't mean I take away salvation off you. But I'm willing to walk with you. So whatever category you're in, I pray that God speaks to you tonight. These are the words of God. Let's pray.